Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. We're in a series, Do You Even Lift? And um, over, oh gosh, there's a cockroach here. I'm sorry. Let's start again. We're in a series, Do You Even Lift? And over the last three weeks, we have been unpacking the mission of our church. And uh, the whole uh, vision over this season of our life is that we are uh, becoming the church that God has put on our heart. And, and this is not something that is easy. This is not something that happens overnight. We've gathered a whole bunch of different families, different people from all different backgrounds and different understandings. And we're trying to uh, forge a, a, a force, a family together that can go in a certain direction. And so we took the, t- uh, the three weeks of our time to really unpack this mission because we are becoming a lift church. And I know that we are lift church, but I think there's certain aspects of our church that we are still unpacking and there are many things that Beck and I still don't really fully know what God is wanting to do and 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 that's something that we we chose to do we didn't choose to write a vision statement but instead we chose to have a mission statement because we feel like for us we didn't feel like God placed a vision of who this church was going to be forever but instead he he placed a mission on our hearts that is going to be continuous the vision is going to be unpacked from season to season to season like the season we spoke about consecrate, and we've spoken about that uh, quite a bit over the first couple of months. Um, and there's the vision for this current moment as we are becoming uh, a people that are set apart for God to use. But the mission continues to be the same. And the mission is to pursue, renew, and strengthen. Unfortunately, week one's recording didn't work. We had some technical difficulties, but we actually have a podcast now. You can go onto uh, our website, theliftchurch.com.au, go to the podcast site, or you can actually go to iTunes. I saw it this morning. It is actually up and running. We have a podcast that you can subscribe to, and uh, our kids team was especially like, Nate, you need to get a podcast. Um, and so we, we've got it up and running, and you can listen to last week's message if you missed it. Unfortunately, we missed the first one, as I mentioned. But happy to talk you through what pursue means. But today we are focusing on strengthen. And strengthen for us is something that um, is really key. It was one of the passions for Beck and myself, and obviously that's why we put it in the mission. Uh, but for us, what this whole idea of strengthening means uh, comes from this idea that we want to empower people to lead in their everyday life. That's the whole point of strengthening. And this is not just a mission of Beck and myself. This is a mission of each and every person to help empower each and other to lead in your everyday life. And that's what we want to unpack today. And uh, we are going to be looking at a lift classic passage. I'm going to coin that phrase. When you hear lift classic, it means one of probably three particular passages that uh, was... Um, passages that God put on our heart as we were launching lift. One of them was Ezekiel 34. One of them was John 5, which we used a couple of weeks ago. And today's passage, lift classic number 3, John 21, 1-19. So get these verses, uh, print them out, put them on your mirror. They're great verses. Ezekiel 34 is a little bit on the pessimistic side, but we turn it into a positive thing. Um, But it's still great, great, great stuff. Bible stuff, always good. Anyway, I wanted to read this straight out. Normally I like to paraphrase it for you guys, but I love how the Bible puts it. So much detail in it. And so I'm going to take the first couple of minutes in this message to just read. And I hope that I've got a good reading voice and you don't go to sleep on me. But here we go. John 21. 
After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, sons of Zebedee, and two of the other disciples were together. Simon said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they're not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, It is the Lord. I'm glad that you aren't pointing at me because I am not the Lord. Um, but they, this, this disciple said to Jesus, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred year, yards off. hundred years off. hundred yards off. When they got out to land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Going to skip ahead, they had breakfast, and when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time. I don't know how many times I've got to read he said to him. It's quite a lot. So I'm just going to skip forward. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter answers, yes, three times. And um, Jesus then tells him, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And this is the conversation that they have. Now this passage comes... Um, from John 21, which is actually the last chapter of John. It is the final account that um, John puts into his gospel about Jesus. This is uh, captured in a moment uh, between Jesus' resurrection from dead and uh, when he ascended to heaven. In that space of time, Jesus uh, appeared to the disciples on many occasions. Uh, some people uh, say that there were, I think one of the other gospels says that he appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. And so he appears to all these people. But he has a very short amount of time. And for Jesus to come and meet these disciples while they were fishing is a very significant event. And this is probably something um, that when we read through, we're like, wow, this is so beautiful. What a beautiful passage. But when you dive into the emotions of the people that were there in this account, something is going on. You see, when we look at this person, Peter, and if you don't know uh, what had happened before this event, this was probably the second or third time um, that Peter had seen Jesus, and this was after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. But the last moment that Peter saw Jesus prior to this uh, ascension and these appearances was him seeing Jesus look straight into his eyes as he denied Jesus three times. I don't know if you remember this story, but Jesus was bring, uh, being 
being taken to his trial. Uh, Peter was following, but he wasn't allowed all the way in. And so Peter stays in his courtyard, and while he was in his courtyard, uh, three different people ask him, weren't you one of this man's disciples? And Peter, struck with fear, he said, no, I do not know him. In fact, one of the times he swore, he, he, he said some profanities. The, the Bible actually says he was so vigorously saying, I do not know that man. And on the third time when he said it, Jesus, while walking to where his trial was going to be, turns around, looks Peter straight in the eye, and Peter knew that he had just done something that had just let God down. So when Jesus is raised from the dead, as exciting as it was, I'm wondering whether for Peter there was this thought, I have just let God down. And maybe this was an opportunity for him to say, sorry, is it too late now to say? <laughs> and he's probably having that thought, and um, you know, Jesus is kind of appearing to people, but it was very random. Like Jesus just turned up, said a few things, and then disappeared. It was like Jesus was now moving in a whole new way. And I'm wondering whether for Peter he was like, here I am, I know that I've let Jesus down, but he keeps randomly appearing and he never gives me a moment to chat with him. I'm wondering whether Jesus is now angry with me, disappointed with me, maybe he doesn't want to talk with me. And, and so Peter was probably a wreck. This was probably, I would say, his lowest moment in his life. Jesus is now alive. He is, he, he's proven himself to be God. But all the more so, Peter has this understanding that I have let God down. I have done something that has pushed God away. And now he doesn't even want to talk with me. And this would have been shattering for his whole existence. Because for the last three and a half years, he, he wouldn't eat, sleep, walk, go anywhere without Jesus being there. Where Jesus is saying, alright, now this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And when you get in a place where you think that you've disappointed someone, and then more so where that person is now no longer there to guide you and to be with you, how 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 meaningless do you think your existence is? And that's one of the key things in our lives that we need. We need meaning for our everyday life. And so for Peter in this moment, he was thinking that that meaning that he once found in Jesus is no longer for him. That purpose that Jesus has one, had once said, this is who you are going to be, this is what you are going to do, Peter felt disengaged from that. And so he was in the, uh, at the Sea of Tiberias, and this was the exact location where he used to work. He was a fisherman, and this was a, a, a trade that he had done for many years. It was probably handed down from generation to generation. He knew the sea. This was something that he was comfortable with, and this was something that he was doing prior to Jesus. I'm wondering in some of our lives whether we have that kind of a place where we feel so disengaged from God. Maybe because of something we've done. Maybe because of circumstances. Maybe because we feel like we can't find God. And we go back into a place where we are doing things where, that, that we were used to without Jesus. And this is what Peter was doing. He went back and he said, I'm going to fish. And all these disciples were following him. Do you know that Peter, he once a leader, always a leader. 
He, he, he said, I'm going to fish. And all these six, eight other disciples are like, all right, let's go fishing because Peter said so. I, I don't know if you're that kind of person in your life where the moment you say something, everyone's flocking around you. That leadership's on your life whether you like it or not. I remember in youth group... Um, there was this a group of boys, they were all uh, related somehow, cousins, and um, they, they were troublemakers. They were pain to work with. And the problem started because there was one particular boy that would just, if he was in a mood, the whole group was in a mood. And, it, and one day we sat him down and we were like, bro, we need your help because you are a leader. He said, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be doing this stuff. I don't want people following me. I just want to be myself. I just want to do what I do. And some of us, we have this reaction to leadership on our lives. We have this reaction to being told that you are being an example, that people are looking at you and following you. It doesn't make a difference if you think that you're not a leader. If you're a leader, you're a leader. And I believe that God's called every single one of us to be a leader. So Peter says, let's go fishing. But it wasn't taking a nice little rod, go to a nice little spot in the lake, throw it in, and just recreationally relax and unwind. As we can see in this story, Peter set up to work. Took off his top, probably like beautiful bronze abs on his body, and he was ready to work. That fisherman hauling in those nets, it was hard work. But Peter threw himself back into what he was comfortable with. He threw himself back into something that he was familiar with. He threw himself back into a position where he was in control again. And in the midst of all of this, I believe that no cheesy soap opera writer could ever get something as cheesy as this. Because you've got to realize that this very sea and this place that they were at was exactly the same place that Jesus called him. In fact, it could even be the same boat that they were in. So if you can imagine, you know, you go through this soap opera, this person has let someone down and they're all sad and they're all broken. And then the exact same events happen. When Jesus called Peter, they had been fishing for a whole night, caught zero, nothing, zilch. And in that moment, Jesus says to flip your net onto the other side and they caught a massive haul of fish. Same thing happened in John 21. Same lake, same boat, same people, same events. And in, in my mind, if I was Hollywood director, you know what I would do? I would be zooming in on Peter's face when they realized that they caught fish. You know, like that, 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 straight in and zooming in. And you just see the look in their eyes. And, and then what will happen next is that Peter would be, it's Jesus! And then he would run on the water, give Jesus a big hug. They would cry. They would have this moment. But that's not what happened. Somehow, things weren't following the script. And I wonder how many of us, because of disappointment and hurt and experiences in your life, Jesus is right there in front of you. He's reaffirming his call on your life. He is basically reenacting for Peter his calling. And in that moment, Peter, because of his disappointment and hurt and shame and all the stuff that was going on on the inside, he just continued trying to deal with his fish. 
And it took someone, I love the parallels in this story, because uh, it takes, remember when I told you to say, it is the Lord, who said that to Peter? It was the disciple that Jesus loved. That disciple that Jesus loved was John. John, in the midst of everything, he still had this revelation. He still had this thought, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. Contrast that with Peter, who probably thought, I am the disciple who Jesus hates. I am the disciple who Jesus is trying to avoid. I am the disciple who, who has let Jesus down. And you have these two men sitting side by side. And I'm wondering when, where you're sitting right now. If you look to the left and to your right, are you the disciple who has a revelation of Jesus' love? Or are you a disciple who has recognized that you have let God down and right now you feel that God is so far away? Because what happens in this story is amazing. Because John recognizes it is Jesus and he probably wants to have a moment with Jesus as well. But he saw, looked across the boat and saw a man who once used to be bold, who once used to be strong, who once used to have a confidence in God, who once used to lead the disciples. Now in a place where he was scurrying around trying to catch fish. And he turns to him and says, it is the Lord. Our purpose, our mission in strengthening is that sometimes there are going to be people that because of circumstances and situations, you are in a place where you can't see that God is right in front of you, still reaffirming His call on your life. And sometimes it takes someone who is in a better place for whatever reason, maybe it's more maturity, maybe it's a deeper revelation, whatever it is. Sometimes you need someone to tap you on the shoulder and to say, it is the Lord. Our purpose in strengthening is not that Nate preaches a great sermon every week and you feel strong and you go home. Our purpose is to be next to each other in those moments of difficulty and in those moments of disappointment, in those moments of hurt and shame, and to be able to still say to that person, I will love that moment, but you need this moment more than I do. You need to see that God is right there at the shore. I love that for Peter, the moment he heard those words, it is the Lord, something just lifted. And he, he, he just forgot about the fish. I, I, I'm looking at this story and I'm like, man, this is weird. He was like, oh, there's fish. I finally made it. He was so distracted that when God was speaking to him, he couldn't even see it. And sometimes you need someone to show you where God is. Sometimes we need the humility to just go to someone and say, Man, I don't know where God is. Stuff going down in my life. I don't know how to handle it. Can you just be with me through this? Can you show me where God is? I, I, I love this story. It's, it's so rich. Because... It still goes on and there's so much more that happens and, and, and Peter rushes off the boat to have breakfast together and then Jesus finally pulls Peter aside and has this conversation. And the first thing that Jesus says to him, which I find extremely strange, is do you love me more than these? The Bible doesn't tell us what these are. But if you look at the context, John had put so much effort into describing those fish. 153 large ones. I'm wondering whether Jesus was walking with Peter 
And he saw those fish, and he pointed at those fish and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? But what was he saying? He was saying, do you love me more than your security? Do you love me more than your control? Do you love me more than your past? Do you love me more than these? When you come to Jesus and he's talking to you, he's going to ask you, do you love me more than these? For some of you, it is fish. But for some of you, it's your career. For some of you, it is the money that you earn. For some of you, it is the purposes and the meaning that you found in other things other than Jesus. And when he comes to you, he asks you, do you love me more than these? I love that for Peter. In that moment, he realized that God still loved him. God was pursuing him. God took a moment out just to have this conversation with him. And in that moment, he could say, you know that I love you, God. And in that moment, this, this whole account, uh, many theologians call it the reinstatement of Peter. And why they say it is because Peter denied Jesus three times, and now Peter was allowed to say, I love you to God three times, which is really cool. But I think there was so much more than this. I think the reinstatement wasn't just so much that he could get over the wrong that he did. It was that Jesus was reaffirming the call on his life. That Jesus had made this whole event up so that he could mimic his first calling. And Jesus doesn't have to come to you and to restore you to that calling because that's what many of us think. I need Jesus to heal me and make me whole so that I can once again be worthy of the call that's on my life. I think that is bad theology. Because why? Romans 11.29 puts it this way. But the gifts and the calling of God is... is is irrevocable. Peter was the one that needed to see that the call on his life had never changed. Peter needed this moment to realize that, that, that the call had not diminished because of his, his, his mistakes, because of his disappointment. And some of you need to hear this. Even though things have not gone right in your life, even though things have not gone according to plan, even though things, you have made some crazy mistakes. And yes, find your wholeness, we have this whole idea of pursue and renew before strengthen because we know that sometimes we are broken people. But all of us are broken people. But in the midst of our brokenness and in the process of renewal in our lives, the call hasn't diminished. The, whole, the, the call hasn't been taken away. And so this is not really the reinstatement of Peter. It was the reminder to Peter, your call was always there. But sometimes some of us are thinking that the call is something so glamorous, something so big, something like uh, go preach the gospel to the whole world. Jesus just said, feed my sheep. Do you know that shepherds were the lowest class of society at that time? And Jesus was just simply saying to him, you know, I, I used to call you a fisher of man, now I'm calling you a shepherd. I'm taking you down a notch. But now that Peter had gone through three and a half years of being with Jesus, he knew that this was a significant call. This was a key moment in his life where Jesus was getting him ready for what was about to happen. You see, when, when, when John wrote this book, it was years after Jesus' resurrection. The, the early church had already grown and the early church was already there. And, and probably many people had heard the name of Simon Peter. They knew him. 
Because when you think of Simon Peter in those days, he was the guy that started the church. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given, who was the one that preached? It was Peter. When he preached, what happened? 3,000 people got saved. Two weeks later, this is the stuff of legends. This is the stuff that people knew about. And, and, and two weeks later, uh, Peter and John are walking to the temple. They see a lame man. They bring him healing. A crowd forms. Peter preaches again. And in that preaching moment, he saw 5,000 people saved. In the space of three weeks, Peter saw the church grow from a 120 to 8,000 strong. This is the man that we look at and we go, man, Peter's amazing. The call on his life is amazing. But where did it start from? It started from a point of brokenness. It started from a place where he thought that he was no longer willing or ready or, or, or able to take the call on his life. And in that moment, Jesus speaks to him. And it's nothing glamorous. It's nothing huge. He just reaffirms Peter and just lets him know this is who you are. This is what you're going to do. Don't be caught up by results. Don't get caught up by the, the, the consequences. Just keep your eyes on who you are, on who you love, on the fact that I love you and that if we are doing this together. I'm wondering how many of us need those kind of moments. I know that I do and I don't know how you see me. I don't know whether you think, man, that guy can preach, that guy's amazing or, or whatever you think about me. I don't know. But maybe you think I could never do what that guy's doing. Well, if I go back seven years... I had a similar story to Peter. I had a moment where I was completely broken. I had a moment where I couldn't hold it together. I had a moment of abject failure. And I had a moment where it changed the course of my future. I was still at Center Point Church and I was one of the staff members, but I was an admin staff. So basically I sit in front of a computer the whole day, moving names around. That's, that's kind of what I did. Very exciting stuff. Um, I know I did a lot more than that, but that was my key role. And I hadn't, I hadn't been given a key leadership position where I was the point person. I was always the second in charge, always reporting to someone else. And this day, uh, Pastor Joel, my senior pastor, came up to me and he said, um, Nate, uh, I can't make the mission trip. This was the very first center point mission trip to Indonesia ever first one ever. And um, Pastor Joel was supposed to lead the team over there, build some relationships, see what we were going to do in the future, and maybe do some ministry there as well. But now there was a conflict in his calendar. He couldn't go, and he turns to me and he says, Nate, I want you to lead this team. And I was like, yes! Dream come true. I was so excited by it, and, and it was great. We had a team of about 10 people, and all of them were about my age, just a little bit older, a little bit younger. And we were like, man, we're mates. We hang out all the time. We love doing life together. Now we're going to be in Indonesia for a week, and this is going to be wicked fun. We were so excited by it. And I'm going to fast forward three months uh, in the planning process where everything fell apart and uh, the trip got cancelled officially because a bomb had gone off in Bali and the threat level was too high and we couldn't go. But the truth was that the trip was cancelled way before, the, well not way before, a little bit before the bombings happened. The bombings was, in, for me, a way of saving my reputation but I knew deep down why the trip failed was because of me. And um, I made some decisions um, that didn't go well. And I had a team that used to be friends but now seemed to be really broken and hated one another and all that kind of stuff. Probably exaggerating a little bit if you were to really find the facts. But I was thinking that's what's happening. 
I have just basically killed this team. And I was dreading the debrief that was to come. You know, after every disaster, there's a debrief. Yeah, I had one of those. And it was something that I wasn't looking forward to. I knew that I would have to answer for my mistakes. I would have to answer for everything that went wrong. And I, I went to Pastor Joel's office that day, and, and Pastor Dan Sheik was there as well. Um, I think because everyone knows that even though Pastor, if you've seen Pastor Dan Sheik, he looks like a terrorist, but he's actually the biggest cuddly teddy bear ever. He's like such a good guy. And uh, when, I, when, when I see Pastor Dan Sheik there, I know that this is not going to go well. You know, he's the teddy bear to kind of help soften the blow. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be one of the worst days of my life. Um, and, uh, and we sat down and we had this chat and I got asked some very difficult questions. Maybe a little bit like Peter when, when, when Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? I felt like Pastor Joel was asking me questions that I had no answer to. It was just like, yeah, stuffed up. Couldn't do it. But I think there was a moment where he realized what was really going on. And he said this line that I'll never forget, probably not exact words, but close enough. And he said, Nate, I didn't choose you to lead this team because I wanted to give you an opportunity to prove yourself. I gave you leadership of this team because you are a good leader. And in that moment, I think some kind of weird bug flew into my tear ducts. Because I couldn't stop crying. It was just like weird. It was like I was not in control. But I was broken. I was weeping. It was a terribly disgusting moment. But in that moment, more than what I looked like, on the inside, something shifted. In that moment, I realized what God was trying to say to me. I sensed the reaffirmation of God's call on my life. And that wouldn't, wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in the community of people that saw me for who I was. Without all these masks and pretensions of how strong and how great that I am, I was in a community of people that loved me for who I was. And in that moment, they were strong. And they said, it is the Lord to me. Just like John said to Peter, it is the Lord. And some of us are in a position where we need to understand that God is standing there right in front of you and He's reaffirming you uh, the, the call in your life. He's letting you know that the call has never disappeared. It, it hasn't diminished. It is still there on your life. But sometimes you need a John. You need someone who is in a stronger position than you are to say, come on, mate. You're still doing okay. You have to keep going. You know, Jesus is right there and He still loves you and He's still got a call in your life. And, and, and this is what we want to do. We want to strengthen people. We want to empower people to lead in your everyday life and we're not talking about the big preaching things where you're seeing thousands of people saved we're just doing the simple things they're just saying feed my sheep it, it is those simple things where if you're a teacher be the best teacher that you can be if you are a parent be the best parent that you can be if you are doing uh, business and, and, and be the best business person you are in the world it be the best nutritionist be the best whoever you are because you are called to lead in your life 
You know, there was one Peter, but there was also ten other disciples who we don't know anywhere near as much as Peter sometimes. And that's cool, because each and every one of us have a function, a meaning, a purpose that God has placed on your life. And the meaning and purpose is something that you have to walk into. The world needs to see you live. The world needs to see you attached to that mission. And I believe that this morning, Jesus is at the shore of your life. For some of you, you've kind of disengaged from that call and that purpose. And it's something that you have been struggling with. And this is something that God put on my heart this morning. Probably partly because of what I'm going through personally. Where there's nothing big. It's not like I've denied Jesus. It's not like there's this um, big stumbling block in front of me that's, that's, that's pushing Jesus away from me. But some of us have just been worn down. Some of us, is, you, you can't point to any massive thing in your life, but you can just start to recognize that somehow the little things have just been creeping up on you and started to wear your confidence down. Wear down your confidence in God for your life. Wear down your confidence in God over your call and the meaning and purpose that God has given to you. And I believe that some of us, in fact all of us, all the time, at different times, though, we'll always need that strengthening. And this morning over the whole church, I want to say Jesus is there for you. And I want to let you know that Jesus hasn't walked away or, 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 or he's trying to make it hard. Instead, Jesus loves you. And, 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 and he's got this plan and a purpose for you that is amazing, that is great. And, and, and all of us are in this search for a mission. And nothing else is going to ever satisfy. You can go back to a place where you're in control, where you know things, where you're comfortable in that place. But something deep inside is still not satisfying. But when you come to Jesus, it's going to reignite. He's going to let you know what your life is all about. And so this morning, as we get the band up, I really hope that you understand that you are strengthened today. That you can keep going in that call and that mission on your life. That has not been taken away, it's not been diminished, it is still there. Maybe you got it 30 years ago, but you've done nothing about it. It's still there. Maybe you got it yesterday. Fantastic. Keep running in it. But I hope that you're strengthened today because this mission keeps going. Tomorrow you might be sitting next to someone who's disenchanted with life, disillusioned at how things have happened, and they're going to be asking you, what am I supposed to be doing? They're, they're, they're staring at fish when Jesus is at the shore. They're, they're trying to, to pull the nets in when Jesus is calling them to have a conversation. And in that moment, I hope that because you have been strengthened, you can then go strengthen. You then can go to that person and say, keep going, keep going strong. Jesus is right there and he wants to have an appointment with you. But for this morning, Jesus wants to have an appointment with you. I'm going to say it out generally. I don't know who this is for. The beauty of, of, of us doing series is that most of these messages are planned about three months in advance. I wasn't planning to say this because of anything that you were saying to me. I was saying this because God had put this on my heart. 
But I'm hoping that the timing is in God's perfect hands. That, that He's saying today someone in this room has been disenchanted with life. You're staring at fish and you're wondering what the purpose of your life is. And Jesus is right there saying, I'm here and I want to have that conversation with you. And I hope that I can be a little bit like John. Today I'm strong and I hope that I can be a strength for you. But maybe tomorrow you're going to be the strength for me and I'm going to be so glad that I've got friends, I've got family, I've got a church that stands with me in the tough times. But today I'll be the strong one and I'm going to tell you it is the Lord. He wants to meet with you. Come on, that call needs to be reignited. You need to rediscover that passion for life. You need to find that meaning and that purpose. Apart from Jesus, you're not going to find anything. You're just going to be wandering around, walking around, trying to find something and everything seems to not stick and you're just in this place. Peter, at night, he wanted to find comfort in what he knew. But in that night, I think God held back the fish. He was saying, no, 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 no. You're not going to find any comfort in what you thought you had control over. I still have control over that. But what you need to do right now is have an audience with me. So this morning, we're going to set up a place, a, 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 a space for God to invite and for God to speak with you. You know, your disappointments and your sin and your shame or just being worn down and not knowing what to do tomorrow. Jesus can speak into that. And Jesus can resurrect that dream and that calling. Jesus can reignite that fire that used to be in your heart. And Jesus is giving you meaning for today and He's giving you meaning for tomorrow. That's what strengthen is all about. It's not about a church. It's about the church. It's about the kingdom moving on ahead. It's not about me necessarily, but it's about the fact that I get to be a part of something so much bigger than myself. I get to be a part of something that brings me joy, that brings me peace, that brings me strength. Being a pastor is not always easy. Putting it out there. Sometimes people stink. You all know that. I'm not saying this to hurt anyone, but sometimes it's hard. I realize that it's not about me. I realize it's not about saving every person. I realize that for me, Jesus is just telling me, feed my sheep. And so that's what I keep on doing because it keeps giving me purpose, keeps giving me meaning, it keeps giving me joy. And even though sometimes things are hard, I come back to this place where, Jesus, you call me here. And so this morning, I was just having a nice little moment with Jesus where I just stood in, uh, with Him and I put a, a song on and it was a great little song about how Jesus is victorious and how He's resurrecting me and all that kind of stuff. And I was just encouraged. And that is available for you. That's available for you every single moment, every single day. Jesus is not trying to play hard to get. Some of you got to get that out of your head. Jesus is not playing hard to get. Jesus is not trying to make your life difficult, but He's trying to make your life good. He's trying to give you purpose. He said that He came that we might have life and life abundantly. But if I can just let you in on something, abundant life doesn't come in that place where you, you, you're going to a life without Him. It's in a place where He is calling you and He's affirming His call on your life. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.